This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Is Jim Harbaugh overrated? We'll tackle that one next on Michigan Podcast. There's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for him. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Closer and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On his way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds. A junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Sack. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Ron Robinson and Michigan. Win it. We're going to win the championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team, and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Go Blue. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. I'm Steve Dace. The question on the table, is Jim Harbaugh overrated? Again, opined by several members of the college football intelligentsia. We'll get a second opinion on that question from our good friend Michael Spath of Wolverine Digest coming up here in just a few moments. But first, let me render my verdict. On the one hand, Jim Harbaugh has a winning percentage at Michigan about 75 points lower than Bo Schembechler's. It's 30 points lower than Gary Moeller's, almost 30 points lower than Lloyd Carr. And Lloyd Carr and Bo Schembechler, of course, are in the College Football Hall of Fame. He has not defeated Ohio State. And sadly, the further we get into exclusively a roster of his recruits, the more one-sided and lopsided the final scores seem to become. We actually tried to put the Big Ten Division Co-Championship Trophy, and frankly, it's an un-American atrocity that such a thing exists, but we actually tried to put that in the trophy case at Schembechler Hall and a a move of such cosmic cell phone that I felt my sperm count lower in real time as I even just said this out loud. 
We haven't been to Indianapolis yet for the Big Ten Championship game, let alone won a Big Ten Championship, nor has he broken the longest streak of futility of not winning Big Ten Championships in the history of the Michigan football program. And he's paid a handsome princely sum. So that would seem to lend itself to the argument that he's overrated. However, the Michigan football season ticket fan base has been completely revitalized, resurrected even. It it was it was flickering towards the end of the Brady Hoke era. The brand has never been more lucrative than it is right now. And he has spent more time in the AP top 10 over the course of his five seasons at Michigan than the Wolverines did the previous 10 seasons before he arrived combined. There is no question the program, by any, by any metric, academically, uh, in terms of brand identity and value, success on the field, there is no question the program is way better now than it was before he arrived. On the other hand, you cannot ignore the lack of achievements. If I would have gone back and told myself five years ago on December 30th, 2014, the day Jim Harbaugh was hired here, that there'd be no Big Ten championships, not a single win over Ohio State. I mean, I would have had myself drug tested. I mean, I would have said there's just, that's not possible. I mean, not, not in any of the known realms, not on any planet in the multiverse is that even possible. And yet, it's a fact, and here we are. See, I, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is underrated, and I don't even think he's overrated. I kind of think he's just rated. I think he's a really good football coach that because his name is Jim Harbaugh and his personality is a lightning rod and because you you know you can get a lot of clicks off of his name, um, his travails and difficulties get blown way out of proportion and his successes rarely get highlighted. But that is the era in which we live, on the other hand. I think there's a lot of what I like to call Harbaugh derangement syndrome out there where people are just looking to be offended at what he does, even when he puts things out there that are just so obviously true obviously affirming and then you'll have people when they realize they can't argue with it decide that instead they want to question his motivations for asserting such common sense wisdom now now i i think jim harbaugh is just rated he's a very good football coach not an elite one frankly i don't have any hope that he'll ever beat ohio state i have zero that's why i don't recognize the rivalry anymore it doesn't exist to me i can't put myself through that anymore until michigan makes me care i don't Uh, I don't think he'll ever win a Big Ten championship at the University of Michigan. I don't. Like, I think he could coach another 10 years and it wouldn't happen. Straight up, I don't believe it. Uh, I do think eventually he'll mentor a quarterback into the NFL. Eventually. I'm shocked, given his reputation as a quarterback whisperer, that that has not occurred. On the other hand, he's on the brink of signing, I think, maybe the best recruiting class he's had yet. And if you look at the last couple of classes he's had, I think the talent level on this team is going to improve all the more. Even from what we just saw with 10 guys drafted into the National Football League last spring. Again, there's no question the program is on every other fundamental metric in much better shape than before he arrived. And I did an exercise for Sports Illustrated about a month ago where I took a look at what would a coaching hot board be 
a realistic one if Jim Harbaugh decided to move on. And there were some interesting names on there. A Matt Campbell at Iowa State, a, a Chris Peterson, uh, formerly of Washington, a Scott Satterfield at Louisville. But can we sit here today as we're taping this at the end of June? And can we sit here today that over the course of the next three years, any of those names has a demonstrably better chance of finally taking Michigan to the promised land than Jim Harbaugh does by starting all over again compared to what Jim Harbaugh has built. If I'm Ward Manuel, the AD at Michigan, my answer to that is no. I don't think I, I know that for sure at all. So we're in this land of, uh, we're in this friend zone, as I articulated last fall here on the show. All right, we're, we're too close to the hot chick to walk away because she still calls us and we still hang out. But we're not, you know, there's no consummation happening here. I mean, we're not putting a ring on it anytime soon, if ever. So we're in the friend zone in college football. And, and I, I don't know that, and, and nor do I believe, he's ever going to get us out. On the other hand, the risk of walking away from where we currently are might be, well, even riskier. But let's get a second opinion. Our good friend, Michael Spath from Wolverine Digest, he'll be joining us and give us his take on this question. Is Jim Harbaugh overrated? Next. Want to thank all of you who have been supporting us on Patreon these last few years here on Michigan Podcast. And for those of you that ask us every now and then, hey, what can we do to help uh, support what you guys are doing and help it to grow? Well, supporting us on Patreon is a big way you can do that. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. And as you can see, when you become a $5 a month uh, subscriber and supporter or more, you get uh, as well exclusive content that we publish just for you on our Patreon page, including a lot of the stuff that I do with sports handicapping as legalization goes wider throughout the country. In fact, you can see uh, I put up just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the notes uh, for NFL win totals, looking at the schedule release. So a lot more where that came from. If you want to support us at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. So the question on the table is Jim Harbaugh overrated as some prominent college football pundits have alleged here in the last month or so. I gave my case for why I don't think he's overrated or underrated. I think he's just rated. But let's get a second opinion from our good friend Michael Spath over at Wolverine Digest. Good to have you back with us, Michael. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, guys. I'm uh, just uh, got my eyes on little John Spath. He can't wait for uh, his first football season uh, here in a couple of months. There you go. That's what it's all about, brother. So he's got a win percentage 75 points lower than what Bo Schembechler had at Michigan. It's a full 30 points lower than the one Gary Moeller had. It's almost 30 points lower than what Lloyd Carr had. On the other hand, Michael, Michigan has been ranked in the top 10 of the AP poll already more times under Jim Harbaugh than it was the entire decade before he arrived combined. There's no question he has rebuilt the fan base, the brand, etc. On the other hand, if you and I would have had this conversation on December 30th, 2014, that we would go through five full seasons and not even make a Big Ten championship game, let alone win one or two of those, we would have each had one another drug tested. So the evidence, <laughs> the evidence goes in both directions here. Is he overrated, underrated, yeah. or just rated? What do you think? Well, it wouldn't be a college football offseason without someone saying that he's uh, overrated, right? I don't know if this was Paul Feinbaum or not, or which which pundit uh, came up with it. That seems to be a consistent trope 
for Feinbaum and a lot of the uh, SEC media types. You know, Steve, I guess I'm a little bit like you. Like I've spent a, I've spent far less time in the last six months worrying about Jim Harbaugh's uh, whether he's overrated or underrated. Here's what I'll tell you: Jim Harbaugh is at Michigan for the foreseeable future. Um, I, I, I know there's you know a growing restlessness among the fan base that if he doesn't beat Ohio State in 2020 or win a Big Ten, that they're ready to to move on. Uh, I've got some bad news for you. I don't think that is that is on the table. Uh, for at least two years, but really, I don't really think it's on the table for for more than that, probably three, four, or five years. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that Jim Harbaugh is winning at a 75% clip. Um, he's winning. He's not embarrassing the program. Uh, this, this summer, as a lot of coaches in college football, Dabo Sweeney, Kirk Ferentz, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, um, have created a lot of negative headlines around their programs, whether it's related to uh, the coronavirus, whether it's related to uh, you know, the, the, the Black Lives Matter and social injustice. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has kind of batted a thousand uh, this offseason. He marched with, his, with his, uh, some of his assistant coaches and some of his players uh, at a Black Lives Matter um, protest uh, back, in, uh, back in early June. Um, you know, he has said all the right things. He has pressed all the right buttons. Um, he created a letter that he sent to college football uh, advocating on behalf of student athletes, especially football players, to give them more autonomy and greater power over their own careers. Um, Jim Harbaugh has been doing everything off the field uh, that, as Michigan alums, um, you should be proud of. This is this is this is a tremendous ambassador for your football program. And on the field, you know those albatrosses are going to stay there until they're until they're gone. I mean, he's as you said, he's owned five against Ohio State. He's never been to a Big Ten title. Uh, you know, he's never been to a college football playoff. His his record against uh, top ten teams, I believe, is one in seven. Um, you know, he's he's not very good on the road against top twenty five uh, competition. A lot of things got to change uh, for Michigan to truly call themselves leaders and best and champions of the Midwest, uh, champions of the West, like their fight song says. Um, Jim Harbaugh understands that, and I think it just depends on. If you're a Michigan fan, you know where is your expectation? If if after five years you're you're completely dissatisfied uh, with uh, with his on-field performance, then you're saying he's overrated. Um, if you're patient and if you're you're content with a lot of the other things he brings to the table, uh, you think he's probably rated just the way that he is. I don't think he's underrated. Um, I certainly don't think he's he's underrated. Uh, but um, you know what? As alum. I guess I'm proud of, of who he is off the field and what he's been for this, uh, this university and for the student-athletes. Um, as, a, as a football fan and as a um, Michigan football fan, I, I wanted to see him, you know, I wanted a better record against Ohio State. I wanted to see him come in and, and turn that rivalry around and, and certainly, uh, you know, be the, be the best coach or one of the best coaches in college football. Um, that hasn't happened yet. Am I patient? Not entirely. But I guess what I'm where I'm coming from is he's got two more years for me before I'm completely on the you know let's uh, let's get the U-Haul out and I'll help him pack train. Let's go back. A lot of eloquence there, Michael. Let, let's go back to December 30th, 2014, 
And Jim Harbaugh on his way up to the podium there in Ann Arbor trips over a cord or wire or something in the floor and 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 immediately rolls off uh, the tip of the tongue when a Bose famous line that would have killed a lesser man. Crowd erupts in laughter, goes out to the basketball game later that day and is I mean, he's hailed as it's, we just gave Julius Caesar the king, the, 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 the key to the city, basically. Right. All right. Right. And and I, I tell you, Michael, I, I'm I'm I jumped out of the DeLorean. I grab yeah. you that day and I say, I've been to the future, Michael. We don't ever beat Ohio State. In fact, the further we get into his recruiting classes, the more lopsided the rivalry becomes. We don't ever get to Indianapolis. They actually tried to put a co-division championship trophy in the trophy case. Okay. Um, I, 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 we don't have, he, he still has yet to recruit and develop his own quarterback. If I told you all of those things on December 30th, 2014, you would have said what? I would have laughed at you. I would have 100% laughed at you. I would have said, you know, you're on an acid trip or you're, <laughs> um, you, 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 you've, walked, you've been stuck on the diet during hash bash. Uh, <laughs> there's just absolutely no way that five years into the Jim Harbaugh era, he doesn't have a victory over Ohio State. There's absolutely no way then in the first five years of the Jim Harbaugh era, he has not been to Indianapolis and won a Big Ten title. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think if you're if if every Michigan fan is being honest, there's not I would put it at less than one percent that would have said within five years Jim Harbaugh would not have accomplished these two things: a victory over Ohio State and a Big Ten title. That's what everybody expected. They expected it to happen probably within three years. Um, I certainly thought it could happen within three years. I, sur- I, I definitely thought uh, that by the end of five years, um, Michigan would at least be on a level playing field with Ohio State, if not um, having turned a little bit of the momentum. And the reason, the reason we thought that is because it's certainly Jim Harbaugh on paper, what he had done with Stanford, what he had done with San Francisco 49ers, it looked like he was the equivalent of Nick Saban and the equivalent of Urban Meyer and, you know, now that we've seen the last couple of years, the equivalent of Dabo Sweeney. Uh, it looked like he was the one of the five best coaches, not just in college football, but in football overall. Uh, and so certainly a, a man of that pedigree, a man uh, with his experience and, and that type of uh, gravitas. Yeah, I think we are all banking on more immediate success and, and greater success uh, through uh, 2019. You know, one of the knocks on Jimmy that is incorrect has been stodgy, doesn't want to evolve. He's actually tried virtually everything. Okay, he's even, mm-hmm. I mean, this last step, he handed over the offense. I mean, that was his calling card as a coach was was the offensive side of the football. He's actually been willing to change up and evolve on a lot of fronts. It just, for whatever reason, hasn't worked. You wrote a lot this offseason at Wolverine Digest about culture within the program. Um, Ambry Thomas, one of the emerging senior leaders for this year's team, seconds after the loss uh, to Alabama in the Citrus Bowl, talked about a lack of accountability internally with, within the players. There, and, and you talked about that, that you were cons- I know in one of the pieces you wrote for Wolverine Digest that you had heard that you know people are concerned that there really hasn't been kind of an esprit de corps collegiate atmosphere at Michigan, more of an NFL style, treat every game the same. Um, you 
know, guys are their own individual brands. If you don't want to play because you're because you're hurt and it might hurt your future draft stock, you know, that's just kind of is accepted. Can you kind of go into that a little bit? And do you think that has been a missing link here as to why he has yet to deliver on all, all the promise and potential we saw five years ago? You know, I'll I'll say this. I think one of the great myths out there is that Michigan doesn't care about the game and that being uh, the matchup with Ohio State as much as Ohio State cares about it. And then if Michigan cared more, if Michigan uh, dedicated as much, um, you know, attitude and um, and emotional uh, quotient to the game as the Buckeyes did, that Michigan would have a victory over Ohio State at this point. Um, The fact of the matter is, is that Ohio State has been more talented than Michigan. Uh, and really, we're, we're talking about an inch here or there in the 2016 game when they weren't more talented. Um, and I thought that, you know, both all, all sides coached, our, our Michigan sides coached a pretty good game. That said, I think there's been two major issues that have, uh, that, that have handicapped the Jim Harbaugh era. And you, you mentioned that, you know, he has evolved, you know, considerably. He, he brought in Don Brown. Uh, you look at the two assistant coaches he's brought in defensively this year. Both of these guys are former defensive coordinators. Uh, Brian Sh- uh, Jean Barry uh, of uh, UCF in Texas, uh, Bob Shoup of uh, Mississippi State uh, and Penn State uh, at different times before that to help Don Brown. I mean, he's he's not afraid to say, "Hey, Don, we have not figured this out against Ohio State. You might need a little help to do it." Um, he's not afraid to to make a change. Uh, to Josh Gaddis and bring in a brand new offense and and revolutionize his offense. But to that end, I think that was one of the biggest mistakes that Jim Harbaugh made when he came back to Ann Arbor in 2015. I think he judged incorrectly how he was going to be successful at Michigan offensively. Because by the time you got to 2015, Oklahoma and Ohio State and Clemson and even to some degree Alabama um, were already, you know, Clemson especially uh, with uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, with Taj Boyd before that. Ohio State was running um, the read option and and a spread with uh, Urban Meyer. Uh, You know, you you look at Oklahoma and and whether it was um, Bob Stoops and then it was um, Lincoln Riley, you know, how revolution, how, how. how much about the spread they have been. And Jim came in and said, I'm going to do what I was doing at Stanford five years ago in 2010. I'm going to recruit these big offensive linemen and run bully ball and run over the rest of the competition. Well, guess what? Um, you know, this is not, this is not 2010, this is 2015 and you just can't do that. And so I think he erred in that approach and it took him too long to recognize that he needed to change the offense uh, to, to the standards to the levels that are being played. So I think that's the, that's the big thing that really hurt him early on. I think the second thing is, you know, people talked about his demeanor, how he's changed after 2016, if he became, um, you know, less, uh, less intense. I, I don't, I don't see that. I, I don't think that he all of a sudden became a wimp, um, uh, that he's just, uh, that, that he's just not as invested in, in the program. He's not as mad at the officiating and all those things. Um, after the 2016 uh, Michigan-Ohio State game. What I do think that has happened, though, and this is something that has been talked about each of the past two off-seasons, you you mentioned the accountability that Amber Thomas said. Well, I think he has let too many players have individual goals that they've put ahead of the team. And, you know, after the two, when you had a number of players sit out the ball game against Florida, 
supposedly, you know, Jim Harbaugh closed ranks and said, no, no more of this. I'm going to be picking captains. We're getting guys who are going to be committed to this program, going to play in bowl games. If you're not playing in bowl games, if you're sitting out of the Ohio State game, we don't want you here. Supposedly that conversation took place, but you fast forward uh, 12 months or, or really nine months, and you've got enough individual players who are who are taking plays off, who are um, not you, who are talking on social media all about getting their millions and and not as invested in the team aspect. And those players continue to play important and big roles for the Wolverines in October and in November. And then once again, they lose to Ohio State. They lose their their bowl game. And you've got you know insiders saying, well, they've got to clean up the culture. They've got to clean up the culture. So at some point, you either you either go back to who Jim Harbaugh is, and that's a descendant of of Bo Schembechler, right? A guy of no nonsense. You're either all in or you're all out, or you don't. And I think that's what's got to change about this Michigan football program is get is and, and here's the thing, Steve, and, and you know this as well as I do. If there's a player, if you've got somebody, whether it's your starting quarterback or your starting wide receiver or a running back or a defensive lineman, that you're through training camp, you're maybe through the first six weeks of the season, and you're questioning his commitment to the team, he might be one of your top five players. But I think for the betterment of the team, for the sake of the team, you got to either suspend that player or you just say, you're not welcome here anymore. You're not part of this team because you're not doing the things that we need from all 85 scholarship guys and all 120 guys on this team and it might it might hurt you it might look bad they, you know other teams are going to use that in a negative recruiting look how they 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 took one of their premier players and kicked them off the team but it's about uh it's about the overall you know the best interest of the entire body and not just that in, you know, the particular limb or that particular digit on the on the hands here so i think that's something that jim harbaugh um you know he's supposedly he's about it the last two off seasons we will see in 2020 if uh, anything has truly changed there true or false michael jim harbaugh turns out is not the ruthless football coach michigan fans thought they were hiring five years ago i i i, I, I that's that's to a little bit of the myth that i was talking about earlier I, I think he i think he's still ruthless i think the fact that he's gotten rid of uh position coaches um, that he's had long relationships with, uh, the fact that he was willing to throw his, his entire offense out um, and bring in someone brand new from outside the system in Josh Gaddis, that's a ruthless move. Whether or not you know he did it with a scowl and whether he did it, whether or not he stalks the sidelines right, right. Um, and yeah. yells at officials and throws clipboards, you know people want to see that, but that's not, that's not necessarily what, all the, what ruthlessness means. Ruthlessness means you're willing to do whatever it takes to win at the highest level within the framework of we're still at the University of Michigan and we're not going to uh, offer $10,000 handshakes to recruits, right? Um, I think that he has proven over and over again, year after year in the offseason, that he's willing to do that. Has it led to the results on the field that uh, Michigan fans want to see? No, it has not. But I don't think you should, dis- you, you should confuse uh, results on the field for his approach and his attitude towards his team these last few years. That's good stuff, Michael. Final thing is, I think this season, more than ever before, culture is going to determine how this season goes. When when you look at 
the amount of time that these uh, players and coaches have spent apart from one another. You know, do you have the internal? That's why I'm fascinated at the timing of Ambry Thomas calling out the lack of accountability within the program with, among the players. And then this ends up being the offseason where they're the most on their own, independent, and mm-hmm. disconnected from the program structure of all time. So, I mean, we're going we're to find out real quick whether, you know, what he was talking about was taken heart this offseason because that'll get exposed when you've been away for a few months. How far back do you have to start mm-hmm. over? But the handling of the virus, you mentioned the, the, the daily political grind and the social unrest that is, you know, seeping into these programs and you've got various different diversity of opinions and takes on the election and politics and you got to meld all of that together into a cohesive unit. I, I really believe that culture culture is going to matter more than ever before because with 22 guys, uh, 11 on both sides, if you've only got just a couple of guys that, that don't think that coach has their back, that really don't think their voice is being heard, that will mitigate a massive talent advantage that you have overall real quick like when they get out on the field and they're not on the same page as the rest of the team. So with that in mind, where do you think the culture of this team is heading into this season right now? Well, I will tell you what, um, you know, if you listen to the Michigan podcast uh, for the last couple of years and heard me on, you know that I'm not a, you know, I'm not a fluff guy. I don't blow smoke. Um, I, I'm, I'm very, very cautious when it comes to, you know, positive things I hear inside the program because I always want to see with my own two eyes uh, before I, before I'm willing to go out there and go like, oh yeah, this is, this is going to be great or that's going to be great. But I, I'll tell you this: there's a couple people I really trust um, inside the program and inside the athletic department that are very excited about uh, leaders at a number of spots. They're very excited about what Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy Pay bring to the defense. Uh, they're very excited about Josh Ross at linebacker. They love Ambry Thomas um, at cornerback. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned his comments about accountability after the bowl game. Uh, he's someone that is, that is all in. Nico Collins, uh, they're extremely excited about. Nick Eubanks has had a great offseason. Uh, Chris Evans, even someone who has gone through some trials and tribulations and now serves as a role model for a lot of the, the younger guys. That said, that said, there is one position where I've heard over and over again the last couple of weeks that there are concerns, and that's the most important position on the field, and that's quarterback. And, and that is because these guys have been so isolated from their teammates and to develop that type of chemistry uh, with the wide receivers, the, the offensive line, the running backs, um, to, to have demonstrated. You know, I, I, I remember talking to a, a former offensive lineman uh, who, who played in the 90s and was part of, you know, the four consecutive Big Ten championships. And I said, you know, what really helped you? And he goes, you know what really helped us is, is our quarterbacks at the time were the hardest workers on the team. Like you needed those are the guys you had to follow in the battle, right? Those are the guys that needed to inspire you in the fourth quarter. And if you were doing the workouts and you were busting your ass and you looked over and that guy was, you know, that that guy was taking the next sprint off, or that or that guy was uh, was giving up on the bench press two two uh, two reps before he was capable of, you had a hard time following that guy. Mm-hmm. And he said, but when you saw that the quarterback was the hardest worker on the team. You could buy in, and I hate to say it because you know these guys do have a you know their teammates have been around them before, but Dylan McCaffrey, Joe Milton, Kate McNamara, when's the last time they're with their teams in full? Mid March before spring practice, uh, these guys are these guys have missed out on important time to inspire their own teammates to to become the leaders and become the captains and the 
and the and the, the quarterbacks of the huddle that they need to be. And so they're going to have to very quickly make that up. Now, if you pick the right guy and he goes out there and, and plays with, um, you know, great, uh, great enthusiasm and energy and gets the job done, then the team will follow. Um, but I think that's probably the biggest concern right now is, is they don't really know. They have no idea who their starting quarterback is. And these guys just haven't been spending that time with someone who's ultimately going to be their top leader uh, when the season begins September 4th. Michael Spath from Wolverine Digest. Good to have you with us, brother, as always. Uh, a lot of keen insight there. Thanks for sharing here on Michigan Podcast. Absolutely, guys. I look forward to it again next week. You bet. Take care. Go Blue. Back with more in a moment. Wolverine Digest is where you want to go each day to stay up to date on everything we think is going on with the Michigan Wolverines. And what we love about our site is it's an analysis and opinion driven site. So we don't rely on access in order to get information. We rely on analysis and it's all free at WolverineDigest.com. You can get all the great content we put up there for you each and every day at WolverineDigest.com. This week's question of the week via Twitter is Jim Harbaugh overrated? 41% of you said yes. Only 5.5% of you said he's underrated. A majority of you are where I am at. 53.2% said he's just rated. Probably somewhere between 10 and 15 overall among college football coaches. And that's pretty much where the Michigan football program is. And he's just rated. That brings us to this week's question of the week from Larry Fine. Could we have it all wrong? And Harbaugh is amazing. What other coach in Big Ten history has won almost 75% of their games and still been labeled a failure? That takes some skill and planning on how and when to lose. Is that four-dimensional chess? Uh, Maze and blue style? I mean, listen, there, there is something to that. I get it. That, And it's he's won about 73% of his games. I think it's 728 is his win percentage. So close to 75%, I guess. But... Um, it's, it's hard to, to be that good and be considered a failure. See, I don't think it's the, um, it's the games that he's won. It's the lack of significant achievement. I think if he has the exact same win percentage, but Michigan beats Ohio State at least one time and wins a Big Ten championship, I don't think we're having this conversation because his resume is pretty much then at that point exactly what James Franklin has done at Penn State. It's the, it's the lack of significant achievement. It's, there's no, no banners, no trophies except one which we dare not speak its name ever again. I think that's the issue, Larry. I don't think it's the record. I think it's the lack of significance. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget, if you are a Twitter, if you are if you are a Twitter user, you can follow us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast to stay up to date on what we think going on with the Maze and Blue and more. You can also check us out online each and every day at WolverineDigest.com. If you watch here on YouTube, please click that subscribe button. And give us a like on this video. Share it with every Michigan fan you know. Same thing if you're listening to the podcast version on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, etc. Give us a subscribe and a five-star review wherever you choose to podcast from. Until the next time, right here on Michigan Podcast, Go Blue.
This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.